Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Gary. Hey, tune to us. We'll try to answer any automotive questions that you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That's right, and I sure wish you would. We love hearing from folk all over the country and, of course, local people as well. That's all over the world. There you go. Anybody who wants to call in, we're going to try to help them out and point them in the right direction. That's it. And It'd be a little uh, complicated, but it could be done You know, somewhere <laughs> around the world. <laughs> getting, there you go. getting right here at this particular time. But. Right, and right time zone and all that stuff. Right. Of course, it depends on where you're calling from. You may have to get up in the middle of the night, but hey, hey. <laughs> small price I was going to say, if you need a question answered... <laughs> Now's the time. There you go. And, of course, this is always the very best time to call in is at the beginning of the show. Number one, my mind's a lot clearer than it is at the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but more to the point, a lot of times we end up stacked up on calls, and we have to get out right at 11. So sometimes we have people on hold who just don't get questions answered. Yes, and should you happen to be one of those people or maybe think of something after we go off the air or even during the week at midnight, you can send Lewis an email, and he will get it back to you within 24 hours. You just go to our website, and the address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Click on the Contact button, fill out the little form, and just send it on in. Couldn't be easier. That's right. And one thing that makes it even easier is that when you do fill out that little contact form, when you send it, it's going to ask you, would you like to remember this information? And if you tell it yes, it'll put a little cookie on your machine that remembers your name and your email address uh-huh. and so on as that, the vehicle and all that. So next time you want to send an email, you don't even have to fill that out again. And if you have multiple vehicles, it will save multiple vehicles as well. That is correct. And all you have to do is click on the form and select the vehicle you want. And it's going to fill all the information out for you. All you have to do is enter the mileage, update the mileage, and update your complaint. Uh-huh. Push the send button, and there you go. That's it. Couldn't be easier. Not unless I go over and do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably not too likely, so <laughs> pretty easy, and you will get an answer back real quick. Most time during the day, during the week, I'm generally sitting at the computer, so you're going to get an answer back relatively quick. No, uh-huh. no within an hour or so, you're going to probably get an answer back. And on weekends, it may take a little longer. I try to catch that two, three times during the weekend. But Right, after eight, about 8 o'clock at night, and you, bet- between 8 and 5, you're going to be waiting, having to wait. Waiting for the next day. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely right. And we're going to the first line. We have Mark on line. Good morning, Mark. How you doing? Doing I great. I have a question about a 2011 Chevrolet Silverado with okay. a 4.8 engine in it. Mm-hmm. It has air conditioning working erratically. Okay. Same thing. It just sometimes it'll, it'll stop blowing and stuff, and I'll, I'll run to your website, and I'll reset the fuses for the actuators. Mm-hmm. And it started working fine after that, and then just recently, sometimes it'll stop cooling again. I was just wondering if... Okay, Mark confusing me a little bit, because you said it stops blowing one time, and then you said it stops cooling another time. Which one is it? Well, after it did the stop blowing, I reset the fuses for the actuator, and Mm -hmm. it was still blowing, just wasn't directing the right places. Okay, so it's it's not stopping blowing, it's just going to the wrong spot, like it's blowing out the defrost when it should come out the vent? Well, it stopped doing that after I reset by pulling the fuses like I read on your website. Okay. And I'm still, I've got to get this clear, though, because it's going to be different things depending on what it's doing. It stops blowing. There's nothing comes out of any of the vents? I got that problem fixed. Okay. That's how it originally started. Okay, so you think you have two different problems? Well, I think I'll fix the one problem with it blowing the, the vent problem when I reset the actuator by pulling the fuses. Okay. So it seems to be working in that aspect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now uh, it'll stop cooling. It'll still blow, but it stops cooling. Okay. 
just erratic and all. When does it stop cooling? How long do you have to drive it to get it to do that? Sometimes it may be 10 minutes. Sometimes it may be 15. But never right away. It's always after you drive it a ways? Yes, it, it appears to be. And when I go and look out there when it's running, everything, mm-hmm. the breath is running fine and everything's nice and cold at the operator and the hose is going into the vehicle. Mm-hmm. But it's not blowing cold air out your vent? Not at that time. But, I mean, at that, that time it is. Whenever they're doing this cycling thing, the compressor shuts off. Okay. So when it doesn't blow cold, the compressor is not running? That's correct. The compressor shuts off. Okay. Well, the first thing I would check on that is a little switch up on the accumulator. There's a switch, a low-pressure switch there. They go bad a lot. And also the connector on them goes bad a lot. You know, I sure looked at mine, and I could not find one at the evaporator. Well, some of them have one there. Some of the newer vehicles don't have it there. It's actually down. Let's go look it up in service data, but it's down in the line somewhere. It's not on the accumulator. Depends on what system you got, whether it's the temperature, automatic temperature control or not. They use different systems on them. So yeah. it's not like the old cycle switch was. There is a switch, though. That would be number one. What I would do first, Mark, is when it quits cooling, go out and raise the hood, if the clutch is not engaged, then back probe that terminal and see if you have voltage at that terminal. Okay. Okay, if you got 12 volts in ground at the terminal with it not engaged, then you okay. got a bad clutch. If you do not have 12 volts at that terminal, then you've got something in your signal, and you're going to have to start tracing back. There is a switch. I'm not 100% sure where it's located. I have to look it up in service data on a 2011. I'm just not that familiar right. with it. But that switch would be the number one cause of it. Now, beyond that, the control head itself can also command the clutch off under certain conditions. Those conditions can be so varied that without a Tech 2 scan tool, you're not ever going to be able to find out. For instance, if the engine idle is below a certain speed, let's say the computer is commanding 650 RPM, and let's say you got a dirty throttle body and your idle is going down to 600 RPM, it may shut the air conditioner off. Yeah, well, it, it does whenever it's going, when I'm driving it also. Yes, but if it sees that RPM, the AC is disabled. Now, another thing is, let's say it thinks the engine is overheating or it thinks the engine is under temperature because the sensor on the head is not reading to the computer. It's going to shut the air conditioning off. Okay. So that, That's the any, first line of defense there is, is turn the air conditioning right, off. That's almost, the easiest thing for them to do. Almost everything that malfunctions on that system, the first thing it does is shuts the air conditioning off. That's not an essential accessory. Right. So you're going to have, even if system voltage gets too high or too low in the system, it may disable the air conditioning. So you would have to have, number one, a voltmeter. Number two, go out when it's not cooling and see if you got voltage to the clutch. Because if you do have voltage to the clutch, then you're into a bad clutch. It could be that the gap on the clutch is too wide, it's getting hot after it runs a little while, and it's overheating, it's kicking out. If you do not, then you're going to have to have a Tech 2 scan tool to go in and see what's being commanded. Because there's so many inputs to that that you could check stuff for the rest of your life and never find it. Right. All right. Well, I appreciate that. All right, sir. Help me out a lot. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. 291-6901 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive eye, we'd love to have you. Go ahead and give us a call. You know, that's just become the world we live in nowadays. you got to have the proper tooling to access the information you need to fix the car properly. Not only tooling, but you have to understand how the systems work now because most people would not ever relate, say, a bad thermostat to an air conditioner not working. Uh-huh. But if the temperature thermostat is stuck open 
and the engine's not getting to full temperature. What happens, the computer just sees the temperature's wrong. Sure. So it doesn't really look at whether it's too hot or too cold. It just shuts the air conditioning off because temperature's wrong. Mm-hmm. So if it's setting a PO128 code, it's going to disable the air conditioning. Another thing would be, like we said, if the engine idle gets too low. Correct. It may shut the air conditioning down, and even though you are driving and not out of idle, it may continue to keep it down until you cycle the ignition. Then it'll re-enable it. Uh-huh. So let's say you let off the gas going down the interstate. Well, engine idle drops too low. It shuts the AC down. You repower up. Well, now all you notice is the air conditioning not blowing cold. But you don't realize, well, I let off the gas at some point in time. And there's probably a half a dozen other things that can disable sure. it under certain conditions. So it's just a real, real complex system. And when you have an AC problem, what you have to know to diagnose it is when it occurs. Because there's a number of things, but some are going to take a while to occur. Some are going to happen right away. For instance, if it quits cooling when you crank the car up. In other words, when I first start the car, it's not cooling. Right. Well, now we're looking at voltage situations and such as that, because if system voltage is dropping on crank up, it can disable it. If it quits working after you drive 10 minutes, well, now we're looking at a whole different series of things. Now, let's say it quits cooling after we drive an hour or an hour and a half. Well, now we're looking at a whole different set of things. We're probably looking at a freeze-up situation or possibly an AC clutch overheating situation. And Ford was real bad about that. Their clutches have like little shims behind them. Right. As the clutch wears, you can actually remove a shim to tighten that gap up so that it engages better because a magnet pulling a drive plate against a clutch hub. And when that wears, it can't pull it in quite as tight. So you can go in, remove a shim, and that will correct the problem. But if you don't do that, what happens, it can't pull it in enough, so it slips, it gets hot, and the clutch knocks out, and it quits working. Sure. And that's generally after you drive it an hour or so. It'll just quit working. And I've seen people spend an inordinate amount of money trying to fix that problem and not fix it, and basically what you need to do is remove a shim from the clutch. Uh-huh. And you can actually go in with a feeler blade, and you can check that. There's a specification on it. But that was a problem, particularly on some of the older Fords. As that drive plate would wear, you'd have to go in and remove those shims to allow to bridge for it. the gap. Mm-hmm. Toyota had a similar problem where the light, the air conditioning light, would start flashing after right. a while, and it's because the clutch was slipping. And it has a sensor in that system that notices the clutch slipping, and when it sees the clutch and the crankshaft turning at different speeds it knows, relative to what it wants, it knows that some one of them is slipping. That's right, and then it starts flashing the air conditioning light, and it will shut the system down at the same time. Sure, to protect it. So that's another situation. Again, sometimes you can go in and remove a shim on that and fix that problem. Another thing is a belt, a drive belt that's worn, can allow the belt to slip just slightly. Again, if those two pulleys are not turning at the right speed relative to each other, it's going to flash that air conditioning light and it's going to shut the system down. Right. And belts being what they are nowadays, you're not going to really be able to look at a belt and tell that it's it's worn out now. A lot of times you can look at it. It may look great. I remember we went to a trade show Uh and the guy was there from, I think it was Gates, and he was... He had two belts laying. He says, which of these belts are bad? And you look at them, and one of them's all cracked up. You say, well, obviously this one. No, no, they're both bad. <laughs> right. The other one looked fine, but the gaps were way wide. You put a gauge on it, you could see it. They actually just... have a gauge out now that you can drop into the V part of the belt. Mm-hmm. And if the ribs of the belt are taller than the gauge, then the belt's considered worn out because the ribs have worn down in the belt. That's right. And just a little bit of slippage, uh, at least on a Toyota, is going to shut the system down. Now, a lot of vehicles don't have that capability 
And what they do instead is that when they start to slip, they generate a lot of heat and ends up burning up the compressor clutch. Correct. Just because of the heat generated. One of the things that brings that on a lot, and probably one of the most underdiagnosed problems, is a belt tensioner. Correct. Because now, instead of having an adjustment you have to make manually, you have an automatic tensioner, which is a spring-loaded arm with a Pulley. pulley on the end of it that keeps the correct tension on the belt. And as the spring wears, it loosens up, and it doesn't keep the belt as tight anymore. Right. The spring wears. Also, the pivot point wears, and it doesn't hold that pulley flat against the belt. So now the belt's cocked. It starts squeaking in some cases. Sometimes it doesn't make any noise at all. It just starts slipping. Right. And those will generally last about 100,000 miles. Again, at the same trade show we were talking about earlier, I was talking to the engineers. We make these belt tensioners for everybody. They're engineered to last 100,000 miles. That's what we build them to do. That is a most overlooked item. It is. We change bunches and bunches of those and fix a lot a lot of problems but he said in 100,000 miles that tensioner has actually cycled one billion times correct billion with a b so there's not too many components that can move a billion times and not be worn exactly so very 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 often we fix problems with air conditioning alternators charging system everything else by just changing the belt tensioner sure that's a very very overlooked part we're going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back with more on the automotive hour Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no. It's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going. Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with ACCO's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at ACCO Automotive. ACCO, it's the place to go. Welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 291-6901, and we've got all our lines wide open, just sitting here waiting to hear from you. That's it. Right now is a good time to call. That's right. Go ahead and give us a call. We'll put you straight up at the top of the list, get you an answer to whatever question you might have. All right. Get you started. Get you stopped. <laughs> Anything in between. There you go. We were talking a little bit earlier, and one of the things that we're talking about overlooked items on a car. Uh-huh. And there are certain fluids that are overlooked a lot on a car. And I think pretty much everybody is familiar with coolant, the sure. and They get that changed pretty regular. And most people are pretty familiar with their transmission as well. And they realize they have to service that fluid. But there are also some other fluids on a car that are more or less overlooked fluids. Most overlooked one that I can think of right offhand is power steering fluid. Yeah. Power steering fluid is one of the biggies, and another is the rear differential fluid. Right. People just don't seem to ever think about that, and that fluid does go bad like any other. The additives tend to dissipate over time Correct. or be used up in the process of protecting the gears. And a rear differential, when that all goes bad it starts to allow the gears and the bearings to wear. 
you're talking probably two grand to rebuild a rear differential. Right, and it usually doesn't give you any warning until it's slapped worn out completely. Yeah. I mean, it first, very little warning. First warning is generally either a whining noise on acceleration or oil pouring out of the pinion seal. Sure. And both of those are pretty much a catastrophic failure. Most vehicle manufacturers under normal service recommend 100,000 miles on differential service. Uh-huh. Now, under towing conditions, I know Chrysler, under towing conditions, recommends every 15,000 miles. Right. And some, it's 30,000. So it varies. Even on all-wheel drive vehicles that have rear differentials, like some of the Honda all-wheel drive, the Acuras, there's a service procedure on that. I think that's every 30,000 miles. Right. That little Honda, I know in the CRV, it will actually give you a chatter. When mm-hmm. the fluid goes bad, the rear end will start to chatter when you go around a corner. The clutches because will start Because the clutches will start grabbing. And you can actually go in and service it at that point. And a lot of times, you can get that chatter to go away right. with, It'll with fix the, the new fluid. Very easily, as opposed to allowing it to keep going and tearing up the rear differential. Right. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of the forgotten fluids in a minute, but we're going to go back to the phone lines with Al. Good morning, Al. Good morning. How are you all? Doing great. 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 Look, I've got a, an 01 GMC Sierra. I'm having trouble with my remote door lock. Okay. I replaced the battery and the thing, and it didn't help a lot. It's just erratic. Sometimes it works, sometimes it won't. And What uh, does it do when it doesn't work, Al? What happens? Sometimes it's hard for me to get it to lock. you got to stand there and walk around the vehicle and quit pointing it everywhere and then to get it to lock. Sometimes it won't unlock, but when it doesn't unlock and you use the key, I'm ready for the horn to blow, but the horn doesn't blow. Just, okay. Well, let so, me ask you this. Have you ever checked all of the doors? Is it all the doors that are affected, or is it only one, like driver's door? The driver's door is the only door I ever checked. That's what most people do, exactly. <laughs> and see, most of the time, that is not going to be a problem with the remote at all. That's going to be a problem in the driver's door. There's a part in there called an actuator, and what the actuator does, that's the little stepper motor that actually locks and unlocks that door lock when you push the button and the actuators go bad all the time and what was you kind of gave it away because you said you hit the remote and you opened it and the alarm didn't go off see that means the remote is disabling the alarm it's just not unlocking that door so what i need you to do is go out there hit your button and when it apparently doesn't work go try one of the other doors and see if it's locked or unlocked uh-huh. And if the other doors are working and that one isn't, then the problem's in that one door, and it's most likely going to be the door lock actuator. That's very common on those vehicles. Was oh, that right? Yeah. yeah, not too big a deal. You have to pull the door panel off, and the actuator is part of the door latch on a lot of them, so you have to replace the door latch and the actuator. Uh-huh. But that's what it sounds like, because if the if the actual remote wasn't working, like you said, when you opened the door, the alarm would have went off because it would have still been armed. Right. Well, is anything like this other than, is there anything here that would ever shut my, disable my vehicle? No, sir. No, it's just going to not unlock the door that's affected. And okay. very often what we find is if it's been going on for a while, it may be more than one door. You know, you may have one door that went out, and then later on another door went out. And, of course, you're only trying the one door, so you don't know about the other door unless you try it. But, again, you don't have to necessarily fix. Let's say it's a four-door truck and the right rear door's out. Well, you may not be worried about that. Never use it that much. All you want is the driver's door to work. So you can fix just the driver's door. You don't have to fix them all. But try that little trick and hit the unlock. And if the door doesn't unlock, go see if the other doors are unlocked. I I bet you they probably will be. Good deal. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the help. Thanks, Uh Al. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would absolutely love to have you. And we've got David on the line. Good morning, David. Good morning, guys. I uh, got an 01 Yukon that was given to my son, and mm-hmm. we're doing a little work on it. And 
not exactly like the guy that just called, but the key fob did not have a battery in it. We put a battery in it and went through the learning process, if you would, with the YouTube, mm-hmm. all the learning process okay. of putting the key on, press right. the unlock, holding it down, turn the key twice. And then we saw that that key fob really was messed up. Okay. So I took my key fob from my Suburban. I said, well, we'll just program the car to accept my yeah, key fob. It may not work, the- though. It, unless it's the exact same part number on it, it may not work. There's basically dozens of different fobs, and they're all oh, different frequencies. You need to go get a new fob. Yes, probably so. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you can do, are you sure that fob's not working? Yes, because the, where the battery goes, you know, you got that piece of metal yeah, it that broke goes yeah, it broke. halfway around it. It yeah. broke loose. Yeah, that right. happens all the time. Now, sometimes yeah. you can actually resolder those things, David. And I'll, I'm going to give it a try. Yeah, you try it and see. We've resoldered some of those, and they work okay. Yeah. Uh, if not, the the fob, you know, the way we test them, if you've got like a little AM radio of some sort, put the fob real near it and hit the fob, and you can generally hear the interference. You can hear the static in the background right. if it's working. If you don't have anything, it's probably not working. But, yeah, you can get a new fob and then just go through the program procedure, and it should, okay. it should come on. Do I have to go to the dealer to get that new fob? You don't have to. They do have some aftermarket ones you can get. I've had questionable results with them. We had a guy the other day bring three of them in for his vehicle. We programmed all three of them, and one of uh-huh. them worked about an hour, and the other one worked about a week. And they're all aftermarket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the third one did work, though. So he, Yeah. But that was just well, so, yeah. the ones and, he had. But my question was, you know, because the fob is putting out a signal, I've got to be have a receiver on the vehicle. There he is. Where is that receiver? It's up under the dash. Bad. Well, hardly, those hardly ever go bad, David. Okay. And you'd okay. have to have some sophisticated equipment to test that. But gotcha. we rarely change those, but we do change the transmitters quite a bit. Yeah, so definitely go get the fob. Yes, Can I ask you one other question? I'll tell you, if you can hold on through the break. Okay, I sure will. Okay, we're going to take a quick little break. David, Gene, hang on. You guys be straight up after the break. Linda, I've been so tense lately. Can you recommend a masseuse? Ooh, have I got a massage guy. Johan Thundercloud. He's Swedish Native American who uses classic deep tissue massage with natural healing methods. That sounds interesting. His deep tissue green pine cone massage is amazing. Along with the piercing eagle claw technique. Working your muscles with a rhythmic screech. When you hear that, you know it's working. I bet. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, check out the team at Agco Automotive. We keep it simple with high-quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And don't forget about Agco's general inspection, an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so your car will perform for the long term. One thing, though. Do you bleed easily? What? Johan will want to know. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back. You just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tweet Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Push the wrong button there. We were talking to David just before the break. Good morning, David. Hey, thank you. Yeah, man. Uh, again, back on the Yukon 01, mm-hmm. the best way to describe the issue is you sit in the driver's side, and you got the controls for all the windows mm-hmm. right there. You know, it's got the lockout button, if you will, Correct. so right. that the children can't roll down right. windows. Mm-hmm. From the driver's side, you can control all windows. Okay. None of the individuals can control their own windows. You press the lockout button up, down, up, down. It doesn't do anything. So as if it's always locked out. Right. And I've taken that off, and you see the little module. So 
Does that typically go out and just replace that whole module? You have to replace that entire switch because right. it's not just an analog switch. It is, like you said, a little module. And it sure. may be that the lockout function has actually malfunctioned and it thinks it's locked out all the time. Right. You know, you can work them all from the master switch, but you can't work the individuals. Yes. Yeah, that could be. Now, there's also, I believe, I'd have to look at service data on a wiring diagram, but it may be a separate fuse that operates the individual controls than operates the main control. So check oh, like, all your fuses make sure you don't have a bad okay. fuse. Right. Because I think the other three windows run through one fuse, and then one fuse runs all of them through the master switch. It's two different power feeds, I believe. Two different. Two, and I think there's actually fuses. two relays also. So check your relays and check your fuses before, you, you, fuses. Yeah, before you change yeah. that switch. Right. Okay. All right. I'll do it. Thank you, guys. Okay, man. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay. Have a good day. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number, and we've got Gene's been patiently holding. Good morning, Gene. Hey, good morning, Willis. Yes, sir. Uh, about uh, six months ago, I purchased an 06 Lincoln Town Car from okay. the dealership. Mm-hmm. It was a trade-in okay. with 27,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. About two weeks, two three weeks later, I had a hose problem, so I went in there and they fixed it. They told me it needed new control arms. Oh, okay. I says, you guys should have fixed this before they you gave it to me, mm-hmm. so they fixed it. Okay. Well, my problem now is about two months ago, I've developed a, a rattle. Sound like it's coming from under the car. Okay. Not, my ears are not great. But I took it back to the dealership, and the uh, service manager rode around the block. He heard it too, and he got out and he checked the hood, and he checked the t- the, the spare tire, mm-hmm. and he couldn't figure anything out. So, what's the next step on trying to? Take care of this rattle. A lot of times that is going to be a sway bar end link in the front of the vehicle. What happens is it's just a ball and socket, kind of like a ball joint on your suspension. And they wear. They don't. They have a pre-packed with grease, and when the grease wears out or the boot gets a hole in it and the grease gets contaminated, the little ball starts rattling in the socket. The easiest thing to do would be to disable the sway bar. Unhook temporarily, the, yeah. Temporarily. Unhook the end link. Tie the sway bar up out of the way where it can't get in interfere with anything and drive the car again if the noise is gone 90 percent of the time it's the end links now sometimes the frame bushing where the sway bar locks to the frame there's a rubber bushing there that rubber bushing will get hard and it'll shrink and that bar will beat around inside of there and make a noise Mm -hmm. so if you disable it and the noise goes away you've got one or two chances there to to straighten it out. And sometimes you can actually grab the bar by hand and, and move, move it, it up and down that bushing, and if it kind of conk, in that bushing, then you know the bushing's bad. So that's by far the most common right. noise on them. Now, clearly there are other things that can make a noise, and I would retrace the steps. If they change that control arm, make sure they tighten all the bolts back because any bolt that they didn't tighten quite adequately or any bolt that they didn't replace because forward bolts on their suspension are torqued to yield, and when you replace the arm, you're supposed to replace all the bolts, and they don't always do that. And those can come loose, and it'll start to rattle like that as well. Mm. Especially since they were just in there six months ago. So I would kind of recheck all the bolts and stuff, make sure that they're all tight. Any bolt that's loose or any bolt that has worked its way loose will also give you that same rattling noise. Okay, well, I think I'll bring it in and let you guys take a look yeah, at it. Yeah, we take a quick look. It wouldn't take very long to find that. Okay. All right. All right, thanks for meeting. Okay, Gene. All right, thanks, thanks, man. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive aisle, we would absolutely love to have you. Why don't you go and give us a call? We'd be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. There you go, and we can get back to our topic of the day. Well, that's right. We were talking about 
some of the forgotten fluids on a car, and we were talking about rear differential fluid. And generally, when you realize that that's a problem, it's almost too late because, like you said, the first symptom is either going to be a whining rear end or, or a leaking. leaking rear end. Right. And it's just too little, too late at that point. But it's not hard to change differential fluids. Some differentials actually have a drain plug, which is real convenient. You just drain all out, put the plug back in, fill it back up. Some Couldn't, of your GM models depending on the year that the rear end was installed in the vehicle, mm-hmm. have a drain plug. Some of them have a provision there, but never had the drain plug put in. Right, they just got the boss, but not right. the plug. Right, right. So it just depends on what year it was. Well, a lot of them you have to take the rear cover off of. That's right. Which take- is 10 to 12 bolts. You take the rear cover off, drain the fluid out, clean the, both the surfaces real good, and then we have actually found an RTV that we like to use mm-hmm. to make that seal back, but they do offer a gasket. Yeah, a paper gasket. Yeah, they do make actually a gasket for it. That works pretty well. Or you can use RTV and just glue the cover on. I think they're glued on from the factory. Some are, some are. Some have gaskets. Uh-huh. Yeah, it just depends on how they, they assembled that particular one. Either method works pretty well if it's done properly. So that, not a real difficult job to do. And no. something that really may save you a bunch, a bunch of money down the road. So right. Let's go back to our phone lines with Kevin. Good morning, Kevin. Morning, Lewis. Sir. I have a question for you uh, that I know you, you've answered before in the past. and I just can't really remember sure. uh, your procedure. But whenever I first start up my air conditioner, I get a, a sweet odor. Like okay. a, not really a mildewed odor, but a sweet... Almost like, an, like a coolant-type odor? Well, I believe it's... You know, you know what antifreeze smells like? Kind of a sweet smell? Yeah, it's, it's not an antifreeze. I think it's more of a, possibly something mildewed. Okay, okay. What, what kind of vehicle, Kevin? It's a 2011 Chevy Silverado. Okay, now there is actually a flash update mm-hmm. to the computer for that problem on that vehicle. Are you still under warranty? No. Okay. Under warranty, they would do that for you for free. It's not real expensive anyway, but what the flash update actually does is it will keep the blower motor running at a low speed, for a while after you turn the air conditioner off, which dries out that plenum chamber, which prevents the mold and mildew, or at least so they say. You can go in and manually clean it, but that may not be necessary. I would first check and see if you have the latest calibration on your software. If they don't, we can do that for you. We can reprogram it. It's about an hour job to do, so that is by far the easiest, fastest, most sure way of taking care of the problem. Now, what you could try doing, Kevin, is just do the same thing yourself to verify the problem. In other words, when you get ready to turn the vehicle off, just reach over and turn the air conditioner off first and leave the blower motor on. Maybe even cycle it to heat for just a few seconds. Let it run to kind of dry out that case and then turn it off. Just do that five or six times and see if the odor gets much better or goes away. Okay, any need to spray Lysol or anything? You can do that, but it may not be necessary if you can once get the moisture out what happens with the lysol or the disinfectants is what you can do is put your open both the doors or all the doors on the vehicle put the blower motor on high and then go to the base of the windshield that's where the inlet is put it on fresh air and then spray some disinfectant in that area and it'll draw in and it'll sit in the system spray a good bit in and then at the same time while you're continuing to do that have someone just turn the truck off that way it stays in the system And you may have to do that a couple of times to get the smell out. That will actually go in and disinfect it. There's also some stronger professional-grade stuff that you have to remove the blower motor and go in and use, but that's kind of toxic. You want to be a little careful with that stuff. But try that, and like I said, make sure you got the latest and greatest calibration on your software because that works pretty well. It just keeps that blower motor running for 
a number of seconds and it kind of dries the case out, which kind of heads off the whole, the wet, damp, dark areas was causing the problem. Okay. All righty. I appreciate it. Okay, Kevin. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Eye, we would absolutely love to have you. That's right. And we still got a little time to get your questions answered for you. Oh, sure. Plenty of time. <laughs> got plenty, plenty of time. <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about fluids that kind of get forgot about, uh-huh. covered differential fluid. We briefly spoke about power steering fluid, which is one of the easy ones because you can actually change that yourself very easy. You sure can. It's real easy to do. You can go to the store and buy a turkey baster. Mm-hmm. Don't use your wife's turkey baster she bases <laughs> turkey with. Buy you a new one. Go out there. Take the cap off. Draw as much fluid out as you can get out. Mm-hmm. And then use the correct power steering fluid to go back in. Right. Some vehicles take power steering fluid. Some vehicles take transmission, transmission fluid. fluid. Take a special power steering fluid. Correct. So make sure you have the correct fluid on hand. Mm-hmm. Pour as much back as you can. Crank it up. Maybe drive it around the block or yeah, something. Drive Just it work the minutes. steering wheel back and forth. And repeat the process one or two times. And right. you should get the majority of it out of there. Right. After doing that two or three times, you're going to have a vast majority of it out. And if you do it fairly frequently, that'll be more than adequate. You don't have to worry about getting every tiny bit out of it out of there. Correct. Let's go back to our phone lines. John, good morning, John. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. Uh, you and Brian are having a good day. Doing great, uh, definitely. Frequent customer of your shop. Always, always tell people that y'all do very good work. Thanks, sir. Thank you. When I mention this vehicle, you'll know it. <laughs> 2001 Dodge Ram. Okay. I'm having a trouble with the windshield wipers. Okay. Uh, when it's raining not so hard and I have them like intermediate or it even does it when they're like on low speed or high speed. Mm-hmm. After they've gone a few times the wipers start kind of like shuddering off the glass. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I've changed the blades several times, and I put good blades on it. Mm -hmm. I'm not putting cheap stuff on it. Yes, sir. But this problem kind of always comes back. Are you changing the entire arm when you change the blade? I mean, the Uh, the blade with the the backing and everything, not just the rubber part? Yes, just not the rubber part, the, uh, the whole thing. John, if it keeps on doing it and you've changed the blades a few times, you may have a bent arm. Those arms can bend, and they'll put that blade at a oblique angle, which will cause the blade to wear irregularly, which will make them start chattering like that. And you've almost got to see a vehicle that's not damaged to spot it, because just looking at it is very hard to see. But okay. many times we actually just take like a little crescent wrench or something and grab that flat part of the arm and just twist it a little bit to where that blade is sitting perfectly perpendicular to the glass, All and right. we fix a number of them like that. Now you, you're talking about like where it attach where the blade attaches to the arm. Correct, the, where the arm goes down to the transmission. You know, the, uh-huh. the, that flat arm that comes up. You can get a little twist in that, and when it does, it throws that blade at an angle, so that when it wipes, it's not it's not staying perfectly perpendicular. Right, it makes it chatter going across the right. glass. Right, it may be perpendicular in one part of the glass, but not in another. And when it gets off at an angle, it starts to chatter. Now, does it do it in both directions? When it comes up, it chatters, and then when it goes back down, it chatters. Or does it just chatter coming up? It's worse, actually, when it's going down. Yeah. Okay. I, I would say it's probably a bent arm right. on it. Something's got it cocked a little bit. Go take a close, close look at it. If you can find another truck like yours, look at it and see if you can see the difference. And like I said, we straighten those out a lot. I mean, you can change the arm, obviously, but we often just take like a little crescent wrench, catch it on the flat part, and just tweak it a little bit and get it to where the blade's sitting a little straighter. What you might do is tweak it just a hair in one direction and throw some water on the windshield, try it, and see if it's way better or if it looks like it's worse. If it is, go back the opposite way. But with a little trial and error, you could probably hit it. Okay, I'll give it a try. All righty.
Thank you. Hey, All thanks right, for calling, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number, and we've got Herb online. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. I got an irrelevant question, but back okay. when you was in high school, that Chevrolet has had a GR on the shift lever on the automatic transmission like a 60 Impala. What did that mean, and how did it work? And I'll hang up and listen. I just always wondered. GR. I, I don't I'm remember I told that. it was grave retard, but. Man, I had a bunch of old no, Chevrolets, but almost was... everything I had four speeds in it. <laughs> I don't recall that. I'd have to look. Man, you got, got me on that one, Herb. I don't remember a GR. They said that a friend of mine had one. He said you try to drive in it, it would make a terrible racket. Really? We didn't have any hills, so we didn't know how to. Yeah, that was probably an old Power Glide. I mean, yep. it was only a two-speed transmission. Yeah. I had a 57 Chevrolet with a Power Glide in it. It didn't have it, so it must have been later than that. This was a 60 Impala. Yeah, I would have to look that one up. I'm not sure. You kind of got me on that. And of course, I, back in that time, every car I had had a four-speed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a guy with automatic was considered shiftless. Yeah. Right, right. And in fact, that four-speed changed cars when he changed vehicles. That's right. I just take it out and put it in <laughs> We had to put great big tires on the rear, even though it slipped the transmission trying to take off. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I okay, just always wonder. All Bye-bye. right, man, thanks. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number. If you want part of the automotive hour, we've got Jim online. Good morning, Jim. Morning. Good morning. I wanted to ask about a Acura mm-hmm. MDX. And okay. It's starting on its third year now. Okay. And what do I do about the coolant? I heard y'all talking about that. I know that around the third year, you check the belts and the battery and things because that's yes, sir. likely when they're going to start going bad. Mm-hmm. How long do you go before you take a serious look at the coolant? Jim, I would be checking it at three years. Check the pH on it and see if it's above seven. If it's up around seven and a half, somewhere in there, you're probably still okay. If it's getting close to seven, I don't really mind changing it at three i know macker says it'll go four years sometimes they say five but it's so inexpensive to replace and it does so much damage if it gets corrosive that it's to me three years i changed mine at three years just to be safe and the little bit that it costs i've way more than made up i mean one radiator is six seven hundred dollars well and 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 the problem is it's not just one radiator yeah it's It's always a radiator then it's a heater core. Then yeah. it's something else. And we've actually seen cooling systems total vehicles out. That's right. Once the corrosion starts, it's the devil to f- stop. And because you can't ever get 100% of the coolant out, if you change it before it's depleted and you get 75 80% of it out, well, you you got no problem at all. If you wait till it's 100% depleted and you can only get 75 80% out. Yeah, well, then, I'm in, uh, yeah, I'm in no hurry to wait. I'll be mm-hmm. glad to get it changed out. Yeah, I'd probably change that out at three years. That, okay. That'd be, well, I think that's it makes right. good sense. Big help. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right, Jim. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number, and we've got Bob online. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. You guys work on power rearview mirrors in a truck? Yes, sir. That's no problem. I got one that I had it parked at the New Orleans airport for mm-hmm. about a week, and I came back, got in and shut the door, and the glass fell out. Ah, okay. yeah. Yeah, sometimes you can get just the glass for them. Sometimes you have to get the whole little gizmo in there, but yeah, yeah we if- can fix that. It's no problem. Well, you know, this had been hit. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of Kenny Waffles, and right. I got the glass back in, and okay. you can move the glass. You know, you can yeah. coordinate it. The power fold don't work. Yeah, okay. no problem. Okay, all righty. I'll uh, I'll get it scheduled and get it into you. Sounds all right. great. Thanks, man. Bye bye. Thank you. All right, one last quick little break. We'll be right back with more. Bobby, hold on. You'll be straight up after the break. TJ, I've been looking to tone up, man. You have a personal trainer, right? Yes, I've got the guy. 
Mr. Miyago. <laughs> He's going to teach me how to wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyago's no joke. Oh, sorry. He begins by filling your shorts with wet sand to provide weight resistance and enhance focus. Then launches into a series of drills like crouching tiger hidden badger, fire monkey, flogging duck, and highly agitated dragon. Sounds kind of extreme. Yeah, brah. Extreme results. Everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for the right automotive guy, it's Agco Automotive. We make it easy. Quality repairs and a staff you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, you get an annual checkup to diagnose problems that could cost you down the road. You will need to sign a waiver stating you are not allergic to pig intestines and live geese. I think I'm just going to hit the gym, TJ, but thanks. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. We're going back to the phone lines. Bobby, good morning, Bobby. Good morning. Uh, great show as usual, Lewis. Thanks, Enjoy sir. It. You guys are doing a public service here, for, especially for us old guys. <laughs> yeah. And anybody over 70 is old. Lewis, I just want to make sure when your transmission, uh, I mean, polystyrene is working great, uh, change it routinely in how many years? I like to do mine probably every couple of years or so, Bobby, because I do it myself. It's real cheap, and it's kind of like I was talking to the guy about coolant. If you don't wait until it's depleted, you can never get 100% out. So if you don't wait until it's 100% depleted when you change it, then the little bit you get out of the majority of it that you do get out, you're in real, real good shape. So if you're going to do it yourself, I do it every couple of years. I mean, not really a wrong answer, I guess. If you hadn't done it in five years and you do it, hey, you're still going to be way better off not right. ever doing it at all. Right. And what about routine coolant changes? On the, I need a water in the engine. Yeah, on the initial change, most people say three to five years, three depending five, on okay. what kind of coolant it is, and three years thereafter. The subsequent okay. changes have to be at three years because you never change 100% of it, so it's not quite as effective as the original factory fill. Yeah, I thought I was going to do a transmit. I mean, get a power steering pump a while back. It was groaning, moaning, all that kind of stuff in the wintertime, mm-hmm. not at the summertime. It must feel better. It doesn't make much noise. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Thin, the fluid thins out a little bit. That's uh, that's a sign of the fluid being depleted because the viscosity gets way thicker when it's cold. Yeah. I change that fluid and see if it doesn't go away. That's what I'll do. All righty. You guys have a great weekend. Thanks for the music, too. Yeah, man. Thanks, Bobby. Okay. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number, and we're going back to line with Sharon. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. My question is, I have a... Nissan Altima 2009, mm-hmm. and it looks like they've been putting 5W30 in it. Is okay. that correct? That sounds right. I would have to check the owner's manual or check service data. Most of your Nissans still take 530, don't they, Brian? I do believe. It, it should say on the oil cap when you open the hood and look at the top of the valve cover where the cap is. Uh-huh. A lot of times it'll say what viscosity goes in that engine. Yeah, some of the real new stuff takes it's zero right. W twenty and all, but I think on two thousand nine or five twenty, yeah, that probably would be five thirty on that. Okay, and one more question: mm-hmm. When I take off, there it seems to kind of like drag or not really miss, but just kind of like a stumble. Tugs. Yeah, when I take off, I tell you the most common thing, Sharon, when kind of like a stumble, like you give it gas and kind of bogs down, and then uh-huh. goes. Uh-huh. Most common thing on that is a dirty airflow meter, and that can often just be cleaned. You don't have to replace it, but anybody who does auto service should be able to clean that airflow meter. They can put a scan tool on, and they can read the flow on that meter. Uh-huh. If it's reading improperly or the fuel trim is wrong, 
then you know that's the problem. And we generally would start out by just cleaning that meter, and that takes that bog out a lot of times. And I'm sorry, I'm just totally out of time, so if I didn't totally answer your question, please send me an email and I'll get you some more information. That's right. Go to the website, agcoauto.com. That's right. I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and go to iTunes and Stitcher and all those great services and give us a written rating. Yeah, I really appreciate your written reviews. That kind of moves us up in rating so more folks can hear us and also makes our day. That's it. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.